0: The Brad Sessmat Show, broadcasting live. It's a good Thursday. Thanks for being with us. We have Paul Coro. Paul Coro will be with us today uh, on the road. There's a story around Grand Canyon University in the NCAA tournament. We're just a few weeks away from March Madness. And given where GCU is, uh, it's not a given that they're going to make the tournament. And I will explain why, even though they have the best record in the nation. And it's good. This is going to be a story. This is going to be a story that we will be talking about over the next few weeks. And even on Selection Sunday, uh, it'll be very interesting to see where they end up. Opening comments are brought to you by Desert Financial Credit Union. Desert Financial Credit Union taking care of you, taking care of your business. As always, that is Desert Financial Credit Union. We do appreciate their support. Today is my birthday. And I feel like doing a show where I just let it all fly out through all these years of stuff that I've seen in sports, what I like, what I don't like, but I'm not going to do that today. Cause it's just too heavy. Um, I was at the diamondbacks yesterday, diamondbacks and spring training to me, it's like a resetting. It, it really is when you walk around the fields out there and I've been doing it since their inception, it's like a reset on, Where we are in sports, it's the calendars changing, the team is good, team has interesting players. The owner talked earlier this week about their future home and maybe Phoenix. And to me that was not a veiled threat. Well, others will say, Oh, it's a veiled threat. To me, it's just his frustration came out. I saw the video, Derek Hall standing next to him. I was not there. I saw the video because I like context. Um, Derek had this look of, uh, you know, that's Ken. Ken has said that stuff before, just not in that setting. And I didn't make much out of it. If they don't get their stadium situation figured out in the next couple of years, um, and the stadium is dilapidated stadium has issues. There's I've been in suites that are, they're torn up. Cement is chipped off. It's almost like we're just going to let this thing go and disrepair, you know, the story that came out about the railroad tracks and the roof collapsing, all that stuff. And so it's posturing, it's negotiating, it's back and forth. It's trying to get the best deal. That's all that this is. And yeah, are there other cities? Remember the letter from Las Vegas that came out a few years back? Everybody's like, ooh, Las Vegas pursuing the Dimex. Of course they are. Any city should be calling around or kicking the tires or saying, hey, what's going on in Phoenix? I read something. Well, they don't know context. And this is not the uh, famous last words here, but this is not the Baltimore Colts going to Indianapolis in the middle of the night and the moving van showing up. Or remember when the Cardinals were kicked or uh, leaked to like maybe going to LA? Actually MC'd an event the day that story came out. It was at the Biltmore. Brian Colangelo asked me to MC something and it was all the sports teams together and the Cardinals weren't there. And I said, because they're packing up their moving vans and man, was he mad at me. I was just poking fun at the whole situation because it's the Cardinals and that's what you do. You poke fun at them. Um, So the long story short, there's things going on in town, but yesterday was great being out at the diamondbacks. What does a guy like me do on their birthdays? Like you, I'm just going to go hang out, may chase a golf ball. I had plantar fasciitis. You ever had plantar fasciitis? It's the worst. Um, On to the, the news at hand, though. So the Suns play tonight. If I were to tell you without looking at the standings that Minnesota was the team with the best record in the West, the Timberwolves, would you believe me? Well, yeah, I've been looking at it. Okay, you cheated. The Suns are sitting there with Dallas, and I'm not going to buy into Minnesota and Oklahoma City being in the same position in three weeks from now. Eh, around March, eh, maybe four weeks. A month from now, there's no way. Uh, there's no way that the Suns, unless there's injuries, are sitting there in the position they're in. This is now where, okay, the All-Star Breaks behind us. Let's get ourselves going a little bit. There's still a few weeks of who cares games um, or games that look interesting on the surface, and they really aren't. Um, this is not. This is is not the time of October, November, December in the NBA calendar. It's like people were outraged what happened at the NBA All-Star Game. Like, I don't know. If you don't watch that stuff, and people watch. They don't care that there's 200 points were scored. They think it's cool. That's their form of entertainment. Great. Guys like us that sit there and say people are going to pay money and spend time on their couch to watch fake basketball, who are we to say? I wouldn't do it. It doesn't mean I'm a bad guy. I can zip through it and sit here and talk to you about it. But that stuff was crap. I wouldn't watch. Time. I wouldn't waste time on that or money on that. But people watch, and that's that's their right in sports. It's like watching preseason NFL football. They want to parade around how great the ratings are. It's like that's a that's a you problem. That that is a you problem. I was asked to be on a NCAA tournament uh, mock tournament, put it together. And I was assigned the American athletic, the big sky in the Metro Atlantic. And last night we were to deliver our results. And I took this very serious, had some stuff that happened that I couldn't make it to last night's meeting. It was downtown at the, I believe it was at the Hyatt and it was a closed door deal. And there were people from the NCAA that were there. I sent my results, my findings down there. I had pretty simple, you know, the Metro Atlantic, Quinnipiac and Fairfield. This is putting the tournament together with tournament coming here in Glendale um, in April. It's putting together the March Madness group. So I had Quinnipiac, Fairfield and Niagara. One of those schools is going to make it. It, it the winner of the conference tournament in Atlantic City. Okay, that's simple. Big Sky last year, it's was Eastern Washington was the number one seed. They got upset by NAU. Big Sky will be a one bid team. American Athletic is a good one because Florida Atlantic, we know what Florida Atlantic did last year. They had a great run and they're having a good run again this season. I think it's going to be a two bid league. It's kind of an interesting exercise because you have to pay more attention than just watching them win. you have to dive down on, okay, who did they be? What's their net? We're going to talk to Paul Coro about this with GCU. What is their net? What does the net mean? And it's not as simple as, I like that team, my team rocks, they better get in, and they better be this seed or that seed. So it's, that was part of my process for those three conferences that I took on and very much enjoyed it. Tonight, you have Washington State at U of A. Big game for Washington State. If you're U of A, you're coming off of the announcement of the new athletic director and Tommy Lloyd getting his contract. You have a lot of positive momentum. The team has been playing better. They're at home. Washington State is uh, one of those teams that needs this victory, that's played well. They're ranked 21st, um, needs a, a big time road victory. And so I take that into account as a game that I will watch tonight in putting together the tournament. Really not interested in Arizona State Washington this evening. You know, we I wrote about Bobby Hurley this week and talked about him, I believe, on Monday show a little bit. Bobby, uh, I think Bobby's in a space where he's got to look at it and say, I think I've done about as much as I can do here. And maybe it's better if we just go different ways. The fact that ASU doesn't have an athletic director and U of A has one, U of A (laughs) was looking out for one for like 21 days and they get it done. And ASU, Ray took the Herm train out of town in November and we're still sitting here. It's just, it's so incompetent. It, it is. It's just It's embarrassing. And nobody really seems to care. It's just pitchforks up. Everything's great. So, I, that's my hoops tonight. And I will watch GCU tonight. They play Tarleton down in Texas, uh, the second number two team in the WAC. WAC's not been great this year. We'll talk to Paul Coro about that. We will do so on the other side. Stay with us. All right, as promised, I've been talking about GCU and how I believe that there is more around the lopes than just they've got to go win the WAC tournament. That there's people inside the NCAA committee, because I've talked to some of these people, that have had debate about where's GCU fall? Because when you look at their record, you can't just say, or can you just say, well, the only way they get in is if they win the tournament. And to give us more, I'm going to ask Paul Coro, of course, with GCULopes.com, does their broadcasts, is the color analyst, writes all sorts of things around them. But Paul's also a very fair journalist from his days at the Arizona Republic and AZ Central. So I figure all I have to do is ask Paul Coro one <laughs> basic question to get the conversation started. Paul's it still they have to win the tournament in order to go to the NCAAs, do they have to win in Vegas, all or nothing still?
1: Maybe. How do you like that for a fair and balanced answer? Um, I mean, so much of it depends on everything, as you know, around the nation. You know, how many outliers win their conference tournaments to bump you know, extra teams that wouldn't have been in the tournament otherwise. Uh, what do the Lopes do from here on out? How, how far up can they get in net? Can they get back in the 30s? If you're in the 30s and something happens at the WAC tournament, uh, maybe your fall isn't hurtful enough to keep you from being an at-large team. Uh, you know, right now, even as a 24-2 and team, they're 45 in net in the nation. Uh, one of those losses is to South Carolina that's turning into basically a top 10 team in the country. So I would think the committee looks at quality, things like that on a neutral floor uh, back in November. Uh, But the way the Lopes have uh, played against uh, a wider range of type of opponents this season, I think they've done a better job with their non-conference um, and then they've had streaks that were, you know, a 14 game winning streak was the third longest any team has had in the nation this year. Right now they have the best record in the nation. Right. Um they, they've taken care of the whack. They had one conference loss on the road. Um, so there's there's definitely a resume to be had, and it's not a, a team that's like a one one horse uh type of team. They have multiple weapons, they've done it all sorts of ways with different players playing key roles. I've been involved
0: in this mock uh, putting the tournament together that Andy Bagnato or mutual friend approached me on and it's been a bunch of us and I ran into some people from the NCAAs in early February they were in town and I just mentioned to them I was in an Arizona State game I mentioned you know you guys might want to look at GCU and they said it's funny you should bring that up we had a very long discussion about them okay very long discussion to me means yeah it's what happens if they keep winning? And so let's go over to net because fans fans are just going to say, well, of course we should be in and that's the way it goes. But net is the big factor. What is net? What does quad one and being really basic here, Paul, what does quad one, quad two, quad three mean? And, and why is GCU in that this space?
1: Yeah, it's obviously a, a computerized ranking based on the strength of your opponents. Uh, it factors margin of victory. It factors site into it, whether a home away or neutral, Um, so all those factors, you know, are helping GCU because, you know, they have that win against San Diego state, uh, which is a quad one, as you mentioned, you know, they've spent uh, much of the year in the top 25, um, you know, a win against San Francisco is, is turning out to be a very good win. That's a team that's done very well in the West coast conference. Um, so they have all these different types, you know, going on the road, uh, to win at liberty, uh having a Louisiana Tech win. You know, there's other non-conference wins that have helped them. Uh so and the committee weighs the net as part of what they do. It's not the end all be all, uh, but when when pitting teams against each other, it's a, a significant factor, uh, probably more so than the polls. Uh where the lopes have been getting votes, uh, probably we're getting close to a top 25 type situation until their second loss. And now the uh, they had to start over and they're getting back up there again. So, the uh, the idea of them being
0: in the 40s, well, they are in the 40s right now in the net. You mentioned earlier, if they get into the 30s, why the 30s? What, what do you think? Is it 39? Is it 32? You're like, okay, even if we step on a landmine in Las Vegas in the conference tournament, we're still probably going to get in. Why is it the 30s? What's the cutoff line?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a moving bar, right? Each year, depending on the number of automatic qualifiers that wouldn't have been in otherwise. Um, so it just feel makes you feel a little bit safer, it gives you a little bit more of a buffer. And you think back to those teams like it's St. Mary's had teams with great win loss records at times in yep. the West Coast Conference and wouldn't make the tournament. Uh, not a record like what GCU has right now. If they were to win out with five regular season games to go. Um, And the way the WAC tournament is set up, they're only going to have two games there, probably. The top two seeds in the WAC tournament uh, get buys sort of like the WCC does uh, to protect their top seeds. So they would be playing a semifinal on Friday and a championship on Saturday. What
0: about the idea, because I've heard this from fans, well, we sell out every game. That doesn't mean a thing to me um unfortunately it's great but it doesn't the f- turn the committee's not going to factor into that or would they because gcu travels about as well as anybody does
1: that mean anything at all in this whole equation uh it means that they win all their home games because they have a great uh environment <laughs> but uh, you're you're right that it wouldn't mean anything necessarily to the committee they want to see uh what you've done in different circumstances and uh, having that neutral games those neutral games against San Francisco and South Carolina helped going to Liberty uh the the home win against San Diego State uh carries a lot of weight um and uh you know Seattle is their their other loss on on the road pretty good team uh had their best player out for three games that they that they lost so their net took a hit they would probably be a top 100 team had that not happened mm-hmm how deep the committee studies a, a team like that, who knows? What uh, what
0: needs to happen away from GCU just taking care of their business? You alluded to it a little bit off the top. If a bunch of upsets happen and in the conference tournaments, that's pretty much going to be all or nothing for them to get in. Or is it, you know, Brad, if this team keeps winning, or here's a team over here that they played earlier in the season that's starting to make a run. Maybe it is Seattle U, as you just mentioned, but – Give me some background on that.
1: Yeah, I think it's a lot of the the teams that we previously mentioned that uh, they need to have continued success and stay in the the higher quads. Uh, you know, every every team of every opponent they've played affects it, but uh, keeping maintaining quad one and quad two type opponents uh, makes an impact on the committee because there's certainly other teams that have had more of those. You know, once you get into your conference. You know, what the other conference teams do don't doesn't necessarily help you as much because it, you know, if a if a conference team like Seattle loses, that means another conference team that you played twice also won. Um mm-hmm. uh, the, the thing is if the loops run the table and happen to lose a game at the WAC tournament, you know, maybe they're 30 and three if you get to the WAC championship and lose. Awfully hard. Awfully, awfully hard to say a 30. Team, a 30 win team does not belong in the NSA tournament, given that they have tried to play better opponents outside of the WAC too. What is the view nationally of what GCU is doing? Because
0: I'll, I just ask you this it's been going for a while now. This is not a new question. But are there people that maybe even have an influence on the committee that's, we don't want that little school out in the WAC to be. Sitting there on the fence post, when they brought it up to me, when they said, yeah, we we're having big discussions about GCU, then my radar immediately went up like, OK, if they don't win, they're trying to figure out how to get them in or maybe not. I don't know, Paul. Is there, am I too much grassy knoll theory here? Is there something towards GCU and their success, good or bad?
1: I, I don't think this is this isn't something that's come out of the blue anymore. You know, they've, they've been to two NCA tournaments. I think now what we're talking about is does GCU deserve a higher seed than what they have before, before it was a, a whack tournament championship that was happy to be there making program history, taking that next step. Well, they've, they've been there, done that. Now they want to try to be in a position where they have a better chance to win that first round game, to go to the next round and make some noise. They, they aren't thinking about just like getting there again, uh, you know, you've seen at times this season people are projecting GCU as high as a nine, ten seed. You know, uh, that's come that's been reeled back a little bit. But I think gone is the days where they're, you know, just getting in the tournament and having to play, you know, a Gonzaga when they were highly ranked in Denver. Now, uh, now you you wonder if the committee is going to start doing intriguing things like rematch with SDSU, uh, you know, putting. Bryce drew in the same bracket or regional as his brother for a potential second round. That's the, the kind of scenarios the committee often messes around with. Okay. So let's play that out. They go in the
0: championship game. You go in the championship game in Las Vegas at the Orleans and you lose by one and the team that beats you ends up getting the automatic berth. in that 24 hours after that, the committee's got to say, okay, GCU is still going to make it based on merit how high a seed should GCU be? It was a one-point loss in their conference championship game. So I'm playing this all the way through. If you were in the room, what is the pro, the con on GCU, and how high of a seed is realistic if they were in as an at-large?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if you're talking about a one-point scenario and, you know, that's three losses for GCU, then then to me they don't have a bad loss. You know, I think a lot of times you look at teams – uh, in the GCU kind of area of the bracket, and you point out a loss like, oh, I can't believe they lost to this, you know, 260 at home. Uh, GCU doesn't have that. You know, they played a close game with South Carolina. Uh, they lost a close game on the road with Seattle, and if something happened at the WAC tournament, like you're saying, uh, I just don't think you could take three blemishes and count them as something that would – knock them down to a low seed or out. So, I, I, you know, where GC falls, I would I would think they could get uh, upwards of a 11, 11, you know, in that range. Uh, you know, that's certainly hard for the community. This is just a different team. And, you know, there's the extra factor, too, that Tarleton State is not NCAA tournament eligible. Um, and right now they're second in the WAC. So if they were the team that was to win the tournament for some reason, they wouldn't be able to go there in the last year of their Division One transition. Yeah, and that's who
0: is playing tonight. Paul's joining us on the road. I should have said that off the top. We're playing at Tarleton tonight. Uh, am I overthinking this? These are questions I'm getting. Am I overthinking this, or is there something I'm missing here?
1: I don't think so. I, I, I don't think there's any sort of, like, free judgment. I think, I think GCU is a respected basketball program right now. And I think you see it around the nation, you know, from the national pundits. Now Uh you see a lot of social media buzz, you know, whether it be, uh, the national media that have come to games this season you see like Andy Katz throwing them in the, his power 36 and and such like that so um, there's a lot of voices outside you know those those rankings come from national media and coaches they're they're getting votes in both polls now are they, they haven't made the top 25 but getting votes means you're in the idea of being in the top 35 or so for what they're getting votes for um, so the, I think I think net is a is, is part of the recipe but i think all these other opinions matter a lot too and i my my feeling is that those people in the committee would share the same ideas that some of these college basketball experts do about them well and i think it's just eyeball test eyeball tests are one of the top
0: 64. i've said this early in the season even before the san diego state game like gcu's guards are going to be a problem in the postseason Written it, talked about it, put it on shows. It's very clear, and it's not demeaning or taken away from Gabe or any of the other players in the roster, but you can go roll four guards out and cause problems every single night. Good free-throw shooting team. I don't really see where I can check a box and say, well, that's going to be a real problem for them just on the court. Like, they can get that first win. They can get that first win, Paul.
1: I really believe them. Yeah. And part of what's impressive about what Bryce Drew and the staff has done is they've improved this team over the course of the year. Um, they haven't messed around with the starting five all year. That it really hasn't been a question. Same starting five as opening night. But what they've done is added pieces. Javon Blackshear Jr. Yep. comes off of not playing for 11 months for an ACL tear. That's a former all-whack player who's now coming off the bench and embracing his role. Luke War played four years at Oregon, was averaging two points, for two two months of the season and now has been averaging ten to eleven points over the last five, six games, blocking shots, setting career highs in every category. This six, nine long forward factor who can shoot threes and protect the rim. And now, all of a sudden, they're they're a different team. They're not having to lean on starters, you know, 36, 38 minutes. But they've got all those go-to guys. Like, Ray Harrison had to carry him during the NCAA tournament last year. You mentioned Gabe McLaughlin. He's on another level right now. He's he's a 45% three-point shooter in a power forward body who's the leading rebounder and guards – you know, the four or the five, depending on foul trouble. Duke Brennan, the Arizona State transfer, has a massive improvement. It had a 16-rebound game recently. So, And then that goes without mentioning Tyon Grant-Foster, who comes off of being out of basketball because of a heart condition uh, for more than a year, and he was at times in the top 10 in the nation for scoring. Now he's averaging 19 points a game. Right. No, no, it's top to bottom. The roster's pretty complete.
0: One other thing I'll get you out of here. With success comes speculation. Bryce's name's been out there now on coaches' lists. What do you make out of it? I know on one hand, you are a GCU employee. On the other hand, you're a trusted journalist and a trusted <laughs> voice I've known through the years. And if you don't want to get into this question, it's very fair. But I, I'm going to ask it anyways. What do you make out of his name showing up on no,
1: I think it's absolutely flattering and just for Bryce Drew to be in conversations because he's a great coach. And he's done an amazing job, you know, not only with, coaching this team, but flipping a roster from last year. You know, it's not like this. He maintained what they were doing and took it to another level, bringing, you know, pieces back and Harrison McLaughlin, uh, Blackshirt, Josh Baker and such, but then adding players in the portal to make it even better. And he's got freshmen coming in next year, like Styles Phipps and St. Mary's Austin Mara, a boot chipper. So I think that's natural. That's going to happen. But I think what you have to consider big picture too, is what a perfect fit. GCU is for Bryce Drew and what he wants to do. He's in, he's in Phoenix, Arizona, you know, a great place to recruit from recruit. He gets to embed his faith into the program, which is tremendously important to him and not something that you're able to do at every school around the nation. And he gets tremendous resources and administrative support put behind him uh, to get the program where he wants to. Yeah. I mean, it was, the the vision
0: has been from Brian, from President Mueller uh, that I've put this out, he's talked about, you know it, is we want to be Gonzaga. And it looks like they're there other than the victories in the postseason. That's about all that's left because it's the same deal. You've got an amazing home environment. You have a coach that's a perfect fit. And you've got a program that looks like it's going to be up and running every single year that you're going to have to go through as a buzzsaw with a national brand. It pretty much is the Gonzaga model.
1: Well, and it's also in its infancy as a Division Correct. One program. What Correct. they're doing is yeah. way ahead of what the schedule is for any team that transitions into D- Division One. This is the eleventh year of the athletic program being D one. Toss four years of that away for the transition period, toss another year away for COVID shutting down a postseason. Uh, that doesn't leave you very much, very many chances to get to the tournament or even exp- experiment with trying to get there. Now they're going to try to do it for a third time already.
0: Yeah. It's good to chop it up with you. Safe travels. Good luck tonight. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Brad. This is the great Paul Coro. And we're back with more after this timeout.